Hello and welcome to night number 19 of 31 Nights of Fright, year 3, the franchise. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. For night 19, we are going back to Crystal Lake once again, or not Crystal Lake. Actually, it's called Lake Forest Green now because the new owners did not want any association with Camp Crystal Lake. That's probably a good thing, too, if you're reopening up a summer camp and, you know, a lot of camp counselors died. But hey, it's not Camp Crystal Lake, it's now Lake Forest Green. There's no way it could have any association with Camp Crystal Lake. Either way, I think it's time we kick off tonight's episode. This is the 1986 Tom McLaughlin-directed Jason Lives, Friday the 13th. Part 6. The movie starts off with Tommy Jarvis, now played by a different guy, which I'll get into a little bit later. But anyway, Tommy Jarvis is not convinced that Jason is dead and he actually needs to see proof. So with his needing to see proof, he actually unleashes Jason back onto the world. Jason is a full-on undead zombie-like monster this time around, as opposed to being I'm assuming a human monster in the other ones, with the exception of Friday the 13th Part 5, of course, because Jason was not the killer of that one, but instead was a character that we saw pretty close to the beginning of that film, and of course that film was kicked off by the chocolate bar. So the plot is pretty thin on this one. Jason is resurrected and now causing havoc and kills at Lake Forest Green. I think they need to stop reopening that place, whether you change the name or not. Friday the 13th Part 6 has an advantage over all the other entries because this one knows exactly what it is. The series itself kind of flirted with whether it wanted to go into a full-on parody. And with this one here, they actually did it. And it works great. I personally think the jokey parody feel of this one works well because it's funny and entertaining. Some of the funny visual gags are great, such as when Jason gets shot by a paintball gun, the cemetery groundskeeper asking, does he think I'm a fart head? And then it cuts the kids yelling, yeah, it's pretty hilarious. And then the dialogue, it totally fits with the feel of this movie. It's dumb, it's goofy, and I feel it's perfect for what this movie is. I even think that some of the sex jokes are kind of funny too, such as the finish when the song does gag and comment alluding to oral sex during a car chase scene. What other movie are you going to get that in? Nothing but a Friday the 13th film. Well, I don't know, maybe a scary movie film, but those are actual spoof comedies. And this one is almost in the same realm, but not quite as ridiculous. This one also has possibly one of my favorite openings to any Friday the 13th film. It's atmospheric, it is creepy by the start, and it looks great. I think the direction from Tom McLaughlin is pretty awesome, and it definitely shows that they increased the budget, or at least have better cinematography than the other ones. The opening here even includes a parody of James Bond. That's right, this has a James Bond-style open where it zooms in on Jason's eye, you see him go and do the James Bond style walk, but instead he's throwing a machete. And I didn't even talk about how awesome Jason looks when he's rotting in the grave. They even included things 
nice little touches, but disgusting touches such as maggots and everything on him. It's that type of attention to detail that I think really elevates this one over the other ones. However, it's not an actual perfect film. We do actually get a lot of kills in this movie, however a lot of them will appear off screen or we don't actually see them. Which is disappointing because if we actually got to see that stuff, the things we watch these movies for and the reasons we root for Jason, well, it would have made it even more special than what it already is. So while the movie itself is well made, it's fun to watch, it never once drags, it doesn't suffer some of the moments of the other Friday films where it just feels like it's slogging its way through, this one is pretty lean and goes from start to finish in no time. That's actually my biggest complaint about this movie, and that's the fact that it has the sanitized feel to it. It's got a high body count, you don't see a lot of it happening, and if you watch these movies to have a lot of sex and nudity, this one doesn't have it. So a lot of the things that were big draws to the films themselves were taken out. Maybe we could say that it's tasteful, but we all know that the MPAA was cracking down pretty hardcore on these films. It's obvious that they were really trying to please the MPAA. That's been an issue throughout the franchise, but this is where it becomes most apparent to me. I think it was apparent in the fifth entry in the series, but this one is a pretty tame affair. They were just trying to sanitize the whole thing to appease the ratings board. I have been doing some kill rundowns because those are honestly some of the most interesting things about the Friday the 13th series, and that's why a lot of people watch them. So as far as that goes, at the beginning of the movie we do have a heart that gets ripped out. A metal rod through the gut, which it's actually kind of funny the actor that gets killed here. It's actor Tony Goldwyn, who you may know from the movie Ghost, he played the character of Carl the villain more or less of that film and more recently he was on the ABC show Scandal. You get to see a metal rod through the head, an unlucky paintballer that gets thrown at a tree head first, and it reveals a bloody smiley face. This is quite possibly my favorite moment of the movie because it is ridiculous. It's up there with one of the other ones which I'll get to in a moment but you have a 3 for 1 decapitation which isn't shown very well, broken bottle through the throat, a 2 for 1 impaling, the RV bathroom head smash that is so hard we actually see the face poke out of the side of the RV, a knife throw through the head, twisting head rip off slash and throw through a window, throwing knife through the forehead, Jason does a head crush with his bare hands, and folding a person in half. If I missed anything, let me know. But that's quite the body count for this film, and sadly you don't get to see a lot of this stuff happen on screen. So this one here more or less completes the Tommy Jarvis arc. I like the choice of the actor that they got to play the role of Tommy Jarvis here, and that is actor Thom Matthews, and you may know him from Return of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead Part 2, which is kind of weird with its own continuity or lack thereof. But anyway, I think he does a better job in the role than actor John Shepard, who was in Part 5. 
Matthews is not nearly as wooden in his performance, but I think the difference is probably how the character of Tommy was written as opposed to actor choices here. Either way, I think Tom Matthews, I think he's a more charismatic actor as far as playing the part. And what it comes down to, the character of Tommy Jarvis is a lot more likable this time around as opposed to how he was portrayed in part five. The ending battle between Tommy Jarvis and Jason is actually handled really well. I really like this scene. The whole idea with the fire on the lake and seeing Jason come for Tommy slowly walking back into the lake is awesome. It really feels like Jason is coming back home at this point. And we didn't really get to see him too much in the water and it's good to see that he's aquatic here. I just really felt that the scene as a whole was a very satisfying ending to the Tommy Jarvis story arc. We had this story going for three films and it felt very satisfying as a whole. I definitely felt like there could have been no more Friday the 13th films and I would have been okay with that. It's of course a horror franchise so there is a part seven, part eight. So we still get more Friday films but this one acts pretty effectively as a closer with the exception of Jason still being alive at the bottom of Lake Forest Green. One of the nice things about this movie is that it starts off as a very jokey, self-referencing film, and it kind of goes into a more serious nature by the end of the film, and I really do appreciate that tonal shift. The movie almost gets you into that false security of laughter, and while the movie itself isn't really scary or anything like that, it's just nice that it did go into a more serious route. The only thing about this movie too that is a little overly cheesy is the overuse of Alice Cooper music. We're treated to three Alice Cooper songs in this film, Teenage Frankenstein, and a little bit later we get to hear the song Hard Rock Summer. Thankfully they cut out on the Alice Cooper songs at this point, but during the ending credits, we do get He's Back, The Man Behind the Mask, which is a cheesy song, but it is pretty catchy. The last time I saw Alice Cooper live, well, I think was back in November of last year, and it was actually pretty cool because he did play He's Back, The Man Behind the Mask. There was actually a Jason up there on stage stalking the band. It was a cool scene to have up there, and it was nice to see him reference this film. I just feel like the over-reliance on Alice Cooper music in the movie was a little much. They should have had a more varied selection of bands. Even though I myself am a pretty big Alice Cooper fan, and he's definitely one of my favorite artists. But overall, this is a fun one, and I think it may be my actual favorite in the Friday the 13th series despite not getting the film that I feel we actually deserved. It doesn't really ruin the fun of this one, and I know that this is a fan favorite of the series, and it's one of the highest as far as critics' ratings for the franchise. So it's definitely one to check out, especially if you saw the other ones. I know that as it goes on, you may be getting franchise fatigue, but I definitely recommend this one pretty good. 
And with that being said, I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, you can contact me at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. I do have a website at adamanalyzes.com, and you can catch up on some past episodes there. If you do have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave me a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach some new listeners and continue making new episodes. Plus, I simply love those digital hugs. But with that being said, be kind and good night.